I was on a ship and I was lying on a long metal table and I was in distress. I was in screaming and in a lot of pain and it's because I was giving birth. And around me were what I can describe as gray aliens from what I've done, research I've done to, to be able to put a name to what kind of beings these were. And I remember that they didn't talk, but they communicated through their fingers. Hello and welcome to the WooCast episode number three. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliet. And this is where we talk about all things weird and woo-woo. Today's episode is all about, was I abducted by an alien? And we're directing that question at Juliet. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of you guys had questions after episode one, where I alluded to some stuff. Um, and one of the things that I alluded to was that I believe that I was abducted by not just one alien, but multiple aliens. <laughs> I imagine most alien abductions are done by multiple aliens, I not just one, so. right? Not just one <laughs> random guy uh, flying through space. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're all, I mean, they're all a little bit different and unique, but they, but I've done a, I have done a lot of research on it because I've had a fascination with aliens or, you know, interdimensional beings or extraterrestrial beings, whatever you want to call them. But I've had a fascination with them since I was pretty young, I would say elementary school and um, little backstory I grew up in New York City in Manhattan but when I was about four going on five my parents they bought a house in a place called Accord New York which is about two hours from New York City it's uh, exit 18 off the New York State Thruway that's how I know where I am in New York just on the New York State Thruway off by the exits so uh, get off at exit 18, go about 30 minutes into the woods, into the middle of nowhere. If anybody is familiar with like Mohunk Mountain House, which is a very, very famous uh, resort castle in the middle of upstate New York, it is where we lived was probably about 25 minute drive from Mohunk Mountain House. And it's a gorgeous place that Mackie and I go to a lot and we, we you know, it's one of our favorite places to still go. Is, is, is Accord the New Paul Texas? Accord's a New Paul Texas, okay. yeah. Um, and I've taken you to my old house. Yes, I, re I remember it well. A couple times. Yeah, I have an obsession with this house. And I think a lot of us do with kind of our formative years and where, like when you have a memory of your, your home growing up, um, we moved around a lot, but this home in particular, and it wasn't even our full-time home at first, has so many memories and I think it's because a lot of weird woo-woo shit happened there. And uh, so when I was almost five, my parents got this house as a weekend house. They were doing pretty pretty well in New York. My dad, had, it being a music producer and had a recording studio and uh, they, I guess they had enough money to buy a weekend house. So hell yeah. Doing well. <laughs> there we go. And, uh, so we got this weekend house. And Cypress Hill was doing well at the time. 
Yeah, my dad recorded Cypress Hill, guys. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. <laughs> Little known fact, Juliet plays the, uh, the, the egg shaker on uh, Insane in the Brain. I do not play the egg shaker <laughs> on that song. Mackie tells you this because <laughs> when I was little, my dad would put me in the recording booth, and a lot of uh, songs require lots of alternative instruments that aren't really, really that fun to play. Like, yeah, cowbells, egg triangle. shakers, the triangle... Uh, this other weird one, like egg shit, I don't even know. But anyways, my dad, I had good rhythm. So my dad would be like, yo, get in there and uh, shake this egg for three and a half minutes. So <laughs> I don't know who's, I don't know whose albums I'm on, guys, from the 90s. But I'm on some albums. Uh, I'm going to sip this tea. You don't get those royalty checks, though, unfortunately. I don't get any royalty checks for my egg shaking, no. So we got this house. They got this house, and every Friday after school, we'd have to go to this house. And I have to be honest, as a uh, little kid with your friends in New York City, and uh, you want to have sleepovers and playdates with them, and you don't know anyone in upstate New York, and you're really a city kid, and going to the woods on a Friday doesn't really sound that fun. So sometimes I would like kick and scream about having to go on Fridays. But you know, now thinking back, my parents, you know. Think about if we could have Yeah, that. now it's the ultimate. Now it's like, That's oh, yeah. what they wanted. I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I'm sorry to my parents that I, like, made such a fuss about going. And we would take the cats, too. Every We would put all the cats. We had, like, three or four cats always growing up. We'd put them in the car. I could see how that would be a stressful And the one situation. one cat, Bippy, his name, was, his name was Bippy, yeah. Uh, he would hide under the kitchen, like... There was like a little hole in the kitchen and in, in the apartment in New York and he would go in there and bury himself. And sometimes they'd be like, ah, fuck him. And they would just leave him there. And they just put enough food out for him, but we like could not coax him out <laughs> to bring him upstate every Friday. Poor cat had to live by himself all weekend long. I, even fine. his cat brothers and sisters left him. I know. Bippy was fine. But no, we were like, all right, fuck off. We're going anyways. Bye, Bips. Um, so People are going to love that, that sipping on the... Uh, on the tea, and right in the microphone. My um, my mug says, "I wish I could text my cat." <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I? So this house in upstate New York, guys, it was on a private road called Raycliffe Drive. And how long do you think it took to actually get to the house? Once you, about a mile up that private road, more. And it was like a like like bumpy gravel. Road. It might not it might not be a full mile, but it's 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 a good ways up the road, and all, it's and up, fully all gravel. Uh, you know, you're immersed in the trees. It's it's a uh, you know you have to go 10, 15 miles an hour, no faster than that. Yeah, and when it would snow and it would be icy, we'd pretty much just be stuck in the house all weekend. And when there was a snowstorm coming, you would have to prepare and get all of your provisions because. Uh, there's no one who's really going to go up that road and get you out in the yeah. winter. And yeah, we would have like... You have your truck. neighbors. I mean, yeah. what's interesting about it, even though it is a very secluded road, there's still a good amount of houses on that road. Yeah. It's not like you're just completely out in, you know, 50 acres of yeah. nothing. Including Whitley Strieber, who is one of, I would say, the most famously open alien abduction cases that there is. One of the most famous modern ones. I modern feel like ones, like yeah. Betty and Barney Hill, you know, they're probably... What was that, in the 60s? The, yeah, in the 60s. They, they come up first in my mind. And yeah. um, Travis Walton. 
What year was Travis Walton? He was in the early 80s. And that was in Arizona, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, this was in the 80s. This is in the late 80s. I was born 88. Whitley Strieber, I believe, had his abduction in 85, so three years before I was born. But his the cabin that he had his abduction in was just down the road from the house that I grew up in. And um, I, like I said, had this irrational fear of aliens since I was a child. And when I would lay down in bed in that house, I would look out the window and I was terrified of them coming for me. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, two things. First, the most terrifying thing you can do when you're at a mountain house or a house out in the, the, in the wilderness somewhere is to look out the window at night because you don't know what's going to be looking back in at you. Yes, yes. Like golden <laughs> eyes or yeah. you know, a bright, but I always imagine... Not red eyes for me. But it was more like big eyes, like bright yeah. eyes. And I always, it was more the light. Like there would be a light that would just shine in. Like something yeah. weird. Like it just had this eerie feeling. Mm. Back oh, I got it. Like I, I can picture that in the 80s movie. There's like the bright light comes shining in the yeah, windows. Yeah, like a headlight. Like, like an E.T. or yeah, something. Yeah, like a big yeah. headlight just comes yep. into your bedroom. And um, I would make my parents leave my door open. Oh, I did not sleep with my door closed. I slept with it open. I'm pretty sure we probably, I had a nightlight. Um, and, you know, I was also scared of the closet monster too, like a lot of kids are. And I had, a, I had a big fear of vampires too. I always used to have a recurring dream that I would open the linen closet, which was in the middle of the hall, and like a Dracula vampire was in the linen closet <laughs> and he was just like ready to bite my neck. How much of all of this is influenced by movies that you watched when you were too young to watch them? That's what I'm trying to decipher because I did watch a lot of scary movies and inappropriate movies when I was too young to watch them because my dad, he didn't have a lot of boundaries with us and he would just be like, oh, okay, you guys can come down in the basement and watch these scary movies with me. And like, it was his way of bonding with us. And we would, when we would go to the video store, oh man, I missed the video store. Uh, I still, <laughs> Blockbuster. Uh, no, we didn't even go to Blockbuster. We didn't have one of those. This is the middle of the boonies. We had some like local schmokel video Even store. better. Yeah, and um, I, I can I can picture it now with like the fake wood paneling. I don't think so. I don't even think it was cool like that. No, that's not cool. <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> You're not talking about wood planks like hipster. No, You're talking like about fake wood paneling. I don't even remember if I had that. Like, <laughs> I thought you meant there was an actual like cool like wood wood stocky hipster vibe. No, it wasn't. It wasn't sweet greens. No, no, no. With videos. Not at all. But we would go in a video store, and I always wanted to watch really scary movies. Actually, I had. I really, really loved Interview with the Vampire. I don't know why I love that movie so much. I think because Kirsten Dunst was like a little vampire girl. And is that Brad Pitt? It was Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. And it was super, like, just sophisticated and dark and in New Orleans and sexy. And I don't know. I really loved that movie growing up. And my dad would, would have to fight me on not renting it over and over again. So <laughs> I definitely think my vampire thing came from movies. But the you alien, could have just bought it at that point. The alien thing, I don't really know. Um, well, a couple of things. I'm going to tell you guys just a brief summary on Whitley Strieber because this did influence my uh, 
what I, what I learned about aliens from a young age. And then I'm going to tell you guys my experience and then some other experiences from people that were close to me that I, that they told me about. And, uh, and then we'll just go from there. Okay. So let me just ask one question before we get started, just for timeline purposes. Okay. What, when you moved there, when you were there before you were abducted, but after you lived there, did you know about Whitley Strieber? Yeah, I did know about him before. By and you knew that he lived down the block. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now Matthew. Did like, you know about? I call Whit bullshit. <laughs> I'm just asking questions that the people want to know. Did you know? Um, did you know about Whitley Strieber before you moved into the neighborhood? No. Okay. No, no. We we moved there when I was little, little, like almost five, and I didn't. I don't think okay. that I became aware of this for quite a few years. Probably was around maybe eight. Yeah, I want to say like eight or nine when I actually like knew, like heard about his story. Okay. But I didn't. I mean, I don't know if you could even comprehend it, be you know, before then. Before yeah. Age of eight. Yeah. All right. So. Let's let's talk a little bit about Whitley Strieber. So on December 26th, 1985, so this is three years before I was even born, at a secluded cabin in upstate New York, on my private road, I mean, not mine, but... <laughs> um, secluded road. Whitley Strieber went sledding with his wife and son. They ate their Christmas dinner leftovers and they went to bed early. Six hours later, he found himself suddenly awake and forever changed. Thus begins the most astonishing true-life odyssey ever recorded. One man's riveting account of his extraordinary experiences with visitors from elsewhere. How they found him, where they took him, what they did to him, and why. Believe it or don't believe it, but read it. For this gripping story will move you like no other, will fascinate you, terrify you, and alter the way you experience your world. Now, this is referring to the book that he wrote, which is called Communion, which was then turned into a movie and stars Christopher Walken, which honestly, he kind of plays one creepy motherfucker being Whitley Strieber. <laughs> There's something about Christopher Walken playing Whitley Strieber that always creeps me I've out. I've never seen the movie and I have never read the book, but um, certainly need to. So basically... In the cabin, they had the primary experiences, multiple experiences, and he was apparently abducted, you know, multiple times. He had hypnosis later to reveal more of the details of what happened to him. And I'm not going to go into too much of the specifics of it because we could just go down a whole rabbit hole of his full experience, but... Um, it's just interesting to read about these cabins, you know, part of a small group of cabins scattered across an area served by a private dirt road, which itself branches off a little used country road that leads to an old town that isn't even mentioned on many maps. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> mom and dad, for uh, <laughs> moving there. No, but guys, it was like 30 minutes to even go to a grocery store. Um, and Mackie knows I have had a, a fascination with this property, with this house. And again, I... I do think that a lot of us, when we think of like where we grew up, we may dream about it or have really fun memories of it, but there's just something about this property and this land that like I calls me back to it. And I have 
that's the only place I really dream about. And I dream about like looking out that window and the dirt road and being on it. And I even had a dream this week really? about, yeah, being dropped off at the base of the dirt road and having to climb. It was like icy and snowy and I had to climb oh, up the ice okay. and the snow to get to the house. So it's just interesting how it always comes forth in my dreams. Do you have a place like that, Mackie, when you're like a, your child at home? Do you dream about it or anything? Uh, I don't really dream about it, no. no. But you were lived there most of your life, right? Yeah, my parents still live there, so maybe that's why. It doesn't have any, uh, you know, I've had, obviously, I've had lots of amazing memories there, but it, what, it didn't hold that, like, magical lore space in my mind. So I'm going to read a little bit more on this story, and then we're going to get into my experience. So basically, like I said, on Christmas Eve, they finished eating dinner. He went to bed. They went to bed pretty early. Uh, his wife and him are sitting together. They're listening to music and reading. About 8.30, they turned on uh, an alarm, which they had for their house, which covers every accessible window on all the doors. Um, for no reason than apparent, I had developed an unusual habit the previous fall of doing that, I guess, uh, putting the like alarm systems on, he said. Uh, he made a tour of the house, actually was peering in closets and even looking under the guest bed. So it sounds like he was a little paranoid about, I mean, it is creepy, like Mackie said, when you're in the middle of the woods and you're, when you're from New York City and, that's, and you're there and that's your country house, you're not used to that. Yeah, and I think also probably, I mean, he might have had like a like a sixth sense about mm. it too, like felt like there was some sort of impending doom. Well, when you read more into his story, he believes that this wasn't the first experience that he had been, he actually had been being abducted since he was a little boy. Which okay. a lot of abductees, I guess you could call them, talk about that these experiences come from, like they start when they're young and then they follow them into their adulthood and you just repress the memories and or they have the uh the thing from uh will smith movie what was that men in black, men in black. they have the thing that erases your uh, memory from the last 30 minutes i mean we don't know quite possible so they were both in bed um there's about eight inches of snow on the ground and it was still snowing lightly out he doesn't recall any dreams or disturbances there was apparently a large unknown object seen in the immediate vicinity at approximately this time of month, but a report of it would not be published for another week. Interestingly, my parents driving home one night, they claim that an unidentified flying object was flying over our car for a short period and then took off. And this is a, something that my parents told us when we were young. Like we were sleeping in the back of the car and there was something wow. that was coming over our car. Crazy. Us like on our way home to that house. And there's an area called Pine Bush, which is pretty uh, close to Accord, probably about 30 minutes from Accord. And that is one of like the top UFO sightings in that area. And there's even like a UFO conference every year that happens there, which I told Mackie I want to go to after COVID. We, we, were, we would have been able to go this year except for COVID. Yeah, definitely want to go to that. Seems really interesting. So there was something they said that had been reported, some identified flying object in that area that same um, day. 
And All even, right, so let's not get too much into the weeds on his story. Let's. let's oh no, see we're gonna get here. a little more, just a all little right, bit right. more. I think it's important. Okay, so he abruptly finds himself awake in the middle of the night. He heard a peculiar whooshing, swirling noise coming from the living room downstairs, and he listened carefully. The noise just didn't make sense. Sat up in bed, shocked, super curious. There was an edge of fear. The night was dead still, windless. His eyes went straight to the burglar alarm panel beside the bed. The system was armed and working perfectly. Not a covered window or door was open and nobody had entered, at least according to the row of glowing lights. What he did next seems peculiar. He settled back in bed. For some reason, in the extreme strangeness of what he was hearing, it did not rouse him to action. Over the course of this narrative, this sort of inappropriate response will be repeated many times. If something is strange enough, the reaction is very different from what one would think. The mind seems to tune it out as if by some sort of instinct. No sooner had I settled back in than I noticed that one of the double doors leading into our bedroom was moving closed. Ooh, I'm getting like a chill. <laughs> as they close outward, this meant that the opening was getting smaller, concealing whatever was behind the door. I sat up again. My mind was sharp. I was not asleep nor in, what is this word? A-H-Y-P-N-O-P-O-M-P-I-C. Let me see it. Mackie's going to tell us what this word is. Well, maybe. A hip. Like a hypnotic state a or something? A we'll just pump pick. <laughs> Hypnopompic. All right. Never has heard that word before. A new one. Um. I've heard of hypnagogic. What's hypnagogic? That's the state that you are just before you fall asleep. If you're lying down in bed, like you're almost asleep, but you're not quite fully asleep. And also happens in the morning as you're starting to wake up. It's a, uh, it's a state where you're very suggestible. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to catch you in that state. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically, I, he goes, I wish to be clear that I felt at that moment wide awake and in full possession of all my faculties. I could easily have gotten up and read a book or listened to the radio or gone for a midnight walk in the snow. I could not imagine what could be going on and I was got very uneasy. That's all I'm going to say. To be continued. But basically, Okay, so he the was in his come. house. The he saw the come. door. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets anally probed. I mean, I, I don't really remember that. I'm just saying that to you. I wanted to see what your reaction would be. <laughs> that was uh, shock and silence. Um, All right. So, okay. So that's his story. Now you live uh, three houses down. This is 19, mid-90s, almost a decade later. Yeah, so it's actually and 12. Mini, okay. So this is, this is the year 2000. 2000. So it's about 15 years later. Yeah. And uh, so you all had been living there for like six, seven years at that point. No. Off and on. Off and on, yeah, yeah. But we were living there full time when this occurred for about a year. Okay. This is, we had, we, we moved there full time at this point. Okay, the stage is set. You're living there full time. So. Did you share a room with your brother? No, my brother and I shared a room until we were about, I want to say like eight, okay. eight or nine. And then. We lived across the hall from each other. Got it. So I had my own room, and uh, did your w window face the road or the woods? The road, like the big driveway. Got it. 
And I had a dream, one could say, that it was a dream, that I was on a ship and I was lying on a long metal table and I was in distress. I was in screaming and in a lot of pain and it's because I was giving birth. And around me were what I can describe as gray aliens from what I've done, research I've done to, to be able to put a name to what kind of beings these were. And I remember that they didn't talk, but they communicated through their fingers and their long fingers. And it was like they were speaking through their fingers. And I do remember some like high pitched noises, but it seemed like they were coming from their hands and not from their mouth. And um, I am on like like a, a table, like a metal table, like a, like a hospital room. And I do, I do see that there's windows and it's like I'm on a ship, but I can't see out the window. It's just darkness. And next thing I know, there's this sort of human looking one that, that comes around in the front of me as the other ones were to the side of me communicating with me. And this humanoid looking alien spoke to me and he said, this will all be over soon. And then he gave me a shot and I passed out. And then when I came to, I was alone on this table and I look to my left and I see what looks like a baby lying next to me but it was all like dismantled like it wasn't it didn't live it was like not in human form and it just it was not alive almost looked like a doll or something it was weird and then, was it a human shape or was it? It was a human shape. Like it had yeah. a head and limbs, but just looked like the limbs were kind of severed and weird. And then I woke up in my bed in my house. I'm 12 years old. And my sheets were covered in blood. And Is this morning now or is this it still is the night? morning. I wake yeah. up in the morning and my sheets are covered in blood. Wow. And I, what I believe obviously it was like I have I got my period I had had my I had already had my period before that and it wasn't like I had never gotten my period before but the interesting thing is three months prior to this dream I did not have a period and I remember one time like being in my room and you know obviously I wasn't sexually active even yet and I remember like holding my stomach and thinking like why don't I have my period it's been a few months and then I thought, well, I think my mom told me that sometimes when you first start to get your period, sometimes it's irregular. But I was like, am I pregnant? No, that can't be true because I've never had sex before. And then I had this dream and woke up and there was blood and it just felt so real. And then I had another experience years and years later, probably like 18 and I had a dream that I was just standing in the middle of a field. Again, I'm in, I'm, I was still in, I was in upstate New York at this time. And I look up to the sky and there's just this bright light that just overtakes my body and I'm just paralyzed and I can't move. And then I wake up from that dream. Wow. 
So That's like fire in the sky type stuff. Where it's just a bright light shines on you. Yeah. Paralyzes you. And so, I don't know. Could just be dreams. Because I, you know, I have been really in intrigued and interested in this topic for my, most of my life living on that road and hearing my parents talk about it and my uh my mom actually has a really weird experience that she told me later this was even after my own experience where she was probably like 18 or 19 and she was in Hawaii at the time and she has missing time where she went off and then I think it was two days later she ended up back with the boyfriend at the time, and she doesn't know where she was for those two wow, days. Wow, really? But there were drugs involved. So this is where it gets a little, like, <laughs> you know, hazy, because I'm pretty sure there was some, like, peyote happening. Sure, sure. But people do talk about doing psychedelic drugs and accessing some other, like, other dimensions and being able to to talk to like alien beings. Right, there's, uh, there's a lot of people talk about on DMT, they see the uh, alien troll robots. What's that? Uh, I, I'm using the wrong words, but there's, uh, everybody, there's a lot of people that have a very similar reaction, similar visions when on DMT. They see these uh, little aliens that are like little robots, little robot aliens, yeah. Like mini, like mini creatures? Yeah. They look like trolls a little bit. But well, don't. that's a weird thing about some of these experiences with DMT or even um, ayahuasca. People will have the same visions and experiences all over the world from these, from this, these plant medicines. Uh, and I find that really, really interesting. Yeah, and similar messages. Um, like what are they tapping into? Yeah. Um, so that's my, that's, that is, that's my story. Um, <laughs> All right. It's definitely in, impacted my memory for many <laughs> years. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I choose to believe it's true. And my dad, he had a friend and she also believed that she was impregnated by alien by alien and alien aliens and she actually had a daughter who had a very interesting like genetic predisposition and was mentally challenged and mm. she believes that perhaps it could have been a hybrid child and then when they they looked into how she had all this scar tissue in her womb enough scar tissue that she would have given birth to like eight eight different children she only ever had one ch one child. Wow. So so it's like they've been doing these experiments trying to uh, create these alien-human hybrids. Possibly. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. That's what we're here to explore, all these interesting, weird things that, you know, just... We just a watched fun, a documentary last night on UFOs. And, I mean, the Pentagon just released... Well, I guess, I don't know if they released or it was leaked, that there is evidence of unidentified flying objects. Yeah, it was leaked in 2017 by the New York Times. And then uh, in March of 2020, they, they actually confirmed that it was real. Okay, so... These videos are real. There's things on these videos, ships or some sort of entities, whatever you want to call it, 
And, uh, you know, they're doing things that technology as we know it is just not possible. And so people are just overlooking that. Why is that not like, <laughs> why, is that, why not? is that not every day of our life in the news? Like our people, people are just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, know, it's like, like COVID's everywhere. I mean, obviously it's, we're in the middle of a pandemic still, but. Yeah, people um, are a little bit preoccupied with that. I mean, but come on. If, <laughs> I think it's people, it almost, it, it, people, even if it were to, they were to come out and say like, this is really happening. I don't even know if people would, would react. Um, right. Unless there was some threat. Well, I think there's something to it, like what you said with Whitley Strieber. If it's something is weird enough or something is out there enough or incongruent enough with um, whatever, whatever <laughs> motorcycles driving by, something is incongruent enough with your thought process or your values and norms, you'll just kind of dismiss it. You'll just write it off not really happening or just yeah because you really there. create your own reality right basically and you know that's why i say i choose to believe that i was abducted by aliens that's the reality that i want to live in i want to believe in interdimensional beings and that they're here to teach us things and uh give us messages and i choose to believe that they're not dark forces that they are of higher intelligence than us. Maybe they're here to give us messages. And I have, de I've definitely read stories from other, from people who have experienced them, aliens, if you want to, you know, whatever you want to call them, that have said that we are fucking up the planet and that they are here to deliver us those messages so that, you know, maybe we don't do the same thing that already happened in the past, perhaps. Yeah. Are they, are they us, you know what I us mean? Us from the future saying, hey, don't mess up the world because we, you know, we need to live in it in the future. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, the, one of the interesting things in the documentary last night was that the, these alien ships or uh, UFOs will station themselves over these uh, different nuclear missile silos and there was one instance in North Dakota where they actually shut down 10 of these missiles at once, which is completely unheard of, where usually they could shut down one or two, maybe one or two would go down, but not all 10 at once. So that was uh, super interesting. And then there was another uh, instance of a UFO landing in, was it Zimbabwe or it was in Africa? Yeah, it was in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe mm -hmm. at a, in a schoolyard. And these kids had, in the 90s, had this experience where there was a, an alien being came out of this ship and kind of telepathically communicated, you know, that the, the, that nature uh, is being screwed up by us and we need to work on conserving the world. Yeah, hello. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they interviewed all these children uh, in the schoolyard, and they were elementary school, and they drew pictures of what they saw. And I, I mean, I don't think that they were coached or coaxed into doing something like that. Like they, right. that's a thing. Um, and then when these when people draw pictures of what these aliens look like, oftentimes they they're drawing the same images: the big almond-shaped eyes, the large head. Um, yeah, there's no. 
they're androgynous, so there's no sex necessarily. They're all, you and they're know. very small. And they're little. They're Wait. like school age children Wait, sized. That's funny you say that because when I'm lying on the table, which is elevated off the ground, their chest was only coming up to the top of the table. I never even thought about like their wow. size, like how tall they were. They were not yeah. tall. Wow. Sometimes was I... the human uh, being that was there was that uh, was that per was that a bigger? Yeah, person? it was a normal size. Okay. Like it looked like a human. I don't know why. I think that that was like they had that to communicate with me. You right. Know? So weird. Or was it a hologram? Oh, I don't know. To make know. you feel comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's out on all of that. Um, and I know I've never gotten hypnosis or any kind of therapy to really like dive into. You That'd know. be interesting. Yeah. I've do never some, done hypnosis uh, in general. Do some uh, memory regression. Past regression therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, that scares, it scares me a little bit because I have repressed a lot of memories from when I was younger. And I know you have too. And like we have, we both are. I don't like, know if it's repressed. For me, I think I just forgot. <laughs> I think that's the same thing, Maggie. <laughs> but it's, no, I know, it, I know it might not be. I remember as a kid um, freaking out, thinking about, um, oh, I forgot, you know, I forget what that person's name was. Because I remember when I was really little, I was like, I'm going to remember everything. And I like had this like OCD thing about remembering everything that ever happened. And uh, I forgot somebody's name one time. I was like freaking out. I was like, what else did I forget? <laughs> so many things. Of we course. We only use like course. a pea-sized amount of our brain. But my mom, on the other hand, she's really highly intelligent in the way that she can remember things. She has a, like a pretty photographic memory. Hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I used to say photogenic memory. And my mom's <laughs> like, that's no. My, my brain doesn't look good on camera, honey. It's a photographic <laughs> memory. Um, but I was actually talking to her earlier. And we were talking WooCast a little bit. And yeah, some of the things she remembers from my childhood I'm like how do you even remember that you know even talking about the house and she said that she had a picture of a home that looked just like that home hanging in their uh, apartment for years and that's how they chose that house because it looked she like had a picture of the Accord house one that looked like it that she would fantasized about. Yeah. And when there were this two, is my mountain house. And there were two homes that they were shown, just two. And out of the two, she chose this one. Wow. So it wasn't even like she did a lot of searching. And she just said when she went onto the deck and looked out into the woods, she just knew that this was the home that they needed yeah. to buy. Little did they know that little <laughs> Juliet would be abducted by aliens. <laughs> so I've never been abducted by aliens, as far as I know. But I did have an interesting experience with you actually last year oh, yeah. in Turks and Caicos. We were there for a wedding, walking uh, one of the nights before the wedding, or was it after? Forget, doesn't matter. We were walking down the beach back to our hotel at night. The sun had gone down maybe an hour earlier, so it was still a little bit dark bluish in the sky. It wasn't pitch black just yet. And um, we're walking down the beach, which was only about a quarter mile or maybe a half a mile back to the hotel. And um, I see what I think initially was a drone start to take off uh, just from, you know, just on the other side of the beach. And 
this thing starts to float up. And then as it starts to lift up off of the ground, I'm like, wait a minute, that actually doesn't look like a drone. It looks a little bit more like a floating jellyfish in these like blue, purple um, colors. It's kind of like shape shifting. It looks like a, it almost looks like a cloud. Like an orb? No, it wasn't an orb. It looked like a, a jellyfish, but like almost like a, a, an ethereal cloud. Like you mm. could kind of see through it a little bit, but it looked like it was there. You know what I mean? So I'm still thinking, well, that's kind of weird. And we were walking with two other people who definitely didn't even notice it. Because they were wasted. <laughs> but while I'm walking and I'm like, Juliet, do you see that? That thing that just came up into the air? I was like, I think that's a drone. Like maybe it was like they put some like cool lights on their on their yeah. drone or something. And as we start to get closer to it, it's I realized that it was silent. This thing and if you've ever been around a, a you know photography drone or a camera drone, you know that these things are are pretty loud. And this was a pretty big one, so it would have been even louder. And all of a sudden it just starts to come a little bit towards us. It goes over us and then it just kind of shoots off not at light speed, but it goes pretty quick into the wind and at, and it's completely silent the whole way. I'm just watching it. I'm like, what did I just see? And I have no idea to this day what that was. Um, it's called a UFO, Matt. But I'm going to call it a UFO. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of, and I've seen a lot I mean, of... it's clearly an unidentified flying yeah. object. Yeah, I mean, that's the know? thing. We don't know what it is, if, if it has, if it's carrying... A bunch of aliens in it but I've seen I have seen a lot of that myself in upstate New York we used to go UFO watching for fun there's nothing to do there you forget like you know <laughs> you can go to the 24-hour Walmart a, 30 yeah, minutes a, away and wander around or you can go take a drive and you can park your car and you can look at the fucking night sky and you can just hope that you see UFOs and I've seen many of them as an adult you have a couple beers you enjoy the fire you go to sleep as a teenager you have to go find something to do oh yeah yeah that's why people get into trouble when they live in like you know the boonies <laughs> because you gotta make your own fun uh, but well mazel you saw your first that UFO. was my first ufo it's my <laughs> only experience ever seeing anything like that i've never uh i've never had you know any you know I, and i look up at the sky fairly often you know not not as much right now being that we live in the city so it's a little bit tougher but I love looking up at the sky, taking pictures of, of stars and things like that. So, um, Except you wouldn't go, Mackie wouldn't go UFO hunting with me when we were, last time we were in upstate New York. I just think I was lazy. Yeah, you got to commit. <laughs> Next time we go, please, please we'll go. We'll do it. We'll no, do what it. happened is We need to go with somebody who's also excited about it. That's I'm not, it's, I'm not enough. I'm mad excited about it. <laughs> Um, we can call my ex-boyfriend if you want. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I knew you'd say no to that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we definitely need to go next time we're there and drive. Next summer, we'll go. Drive to Pine Bush, and it's fun, you know? We Just need to uh, look into those people that summon the UFOs in Arizona. Oh, yeah, you can, you can do meditations where you can summon them, the UFOs to show themselves they, That's to what you. they claim, at least. Yeah. So, all right, so I did have, I haven't had many alien or UFO experiences, but I did have this one weird thing. Like I mentioned on episode one, I've always been really terrified of ghosts. I remember 
I still remember the first time I ever even was aware of a, a ghost was on TV. My mom was taking a shower. My dad was uh, traveling for work somewhere. And I think it was like one of those inside edition type shows was on, you know, where they do like the different little segments. And one of it was must have been around Halloween. And there was one segment where they talked about some, you know, uh, it was probably like the Winchester Mystery House in California. And they showed like, you know, cheesy 80s, late 80s, early 90s um, ghost effect of somebody who's just like kind of see-through. Like an apparition. Yeah, an apparition type thing. But it was just clearly... Uh, uh, special effects and I knew that at the time and I was still terrified I went and sat outside the uh, sat outside the bathroom until my mom was done with her shower I was like all right I'm just gonna sit right here till this uh, till you're done <laughs> so anyways fast forward a, a few years I was probably about somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 then this is a story that I don't think I've even ever told Juliet it's something that I kind of forgot about, um, but it was, it's definitely stuck with me through the years. But I laid down and, and um, my mom came to kind of tuck me in or whatever and closed my eyes, going to sleep. The, there was a little bit of light in the room. I, I slept with the door open as well. And, you know, the light from the living room and the TV was just kind of shining in. So there was a little bit of light in the room. And after a few minutes of me sort of getting into that just before sleep stage, that hypnagogic state and it came up again, um, I realized that it still felt like I could like feel the energy of my mom still sitting on the, on the edge of the bed, like sort of like that... Um, that, uh, that depression of somebody sitting on the edge of your bed. I'm like, Mom, you can leave now. I'm good. You can, you can go ahead and leave. And I open my eyes, and she's just sitting there staring at me. And I close my eyes again. I'm like, you can leave. And I'm like, why isn't she answering me? And I, like, I kind of like reach over to touch her or tap her, and my hand goes right through what I saw as my mom and then as my hand goes through her, it just kind of, like, the vision just kind of fades away. Did you freak out? Yeah, I ran out and I said, Mom, were you just in the room? Like, what, what was that? And um, she had no idea. And so I had... What, what, was it a woman? It looked, ex it, was, it was my mom. Interesting. It was my mom, at, you know, wearing the same clothes that she was wearing. It, you know, it was, it was as if she was there in the room, but she was also in the living room at the same time. Maybe she astral projected. Yeah, I don't know. Like her so soul it's not a ghost, or something was there. But I think I know, like if, if I were ever to see a full-bodied apparition, I feel like I, that's what I saw there, but it wasn't a ghost yeah. per se. And when you're a kid, you are more attuned to energies and you're more sensitive because you don't have as much crap built up in your right. head to debunk mysteries. Sure. And so you're, you're just really an open channel when you're young, which is why babies in their cribs, they're, you know, they look around and you're like, who are you looking at? Who are you talking to? We don't know. Maybe they're, you know, maybe <laughs> they're talking to spirit. Uh, um, yeah. I believe that animals are like that too. I mean, 
we are the only species that we don't communicate telepathically. I do believe we can communicate telepathically. Is that true that animals can communicate telepathically? They have they can communicate with each other through their mind. Yeah. Is that and true? Is that proven? Yes. Cuz I know a lot of times like cats can communicate through like body language or the way their tail is or the way their back that's is puffed up. That's energy, you know? They, they, well, that's visual. Not, but it's not just visual. They it's can, like sign language. They can communicate with energy as well. Uh, different animals, not, you know, not, maybe not every single animal. So, and I'll, I'll get back to that. I need to, I, you know. <laughs> get back to me on this one. I want to no, see I, it. But, but it. But even just think about that, that we have to communicate with just like talking to each other. Right, you know? right. What is that, you know, the, the, the small percentage of our brain that we use, how much of that could be channeled to something else that we've forgotten? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm starting to gather, that we have forgotten a lot of how to actually use like, or never figured out I think we forgot it yeah I think we have figured it out and I think that uh, we just have to tap into it and it's like a skill that you have to cultivate and and learn and, and practice yeah I mean I, I think that that's uh, a lot of that stuff sort of like the shamanic healing and some of these different practices, these ancient wisdoms like the I Ching and different things like that, that are um, thousands of years old, thousands and thousands of prana, pranayama yoga, you know, these things that are 5,000 years old and there's so much truth to them. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, we've... Um, but if you don't use it, you lose it. And because think about it, people only live a certain amount of years and unless their, you know, their wisdom is carried on through the next generation, then it's lost. Sure. And here we are with people who are, for example, living the longest that they ever had, but they're sicker than they ever have been before for longer. Like their quality of life might not necessarily be great, even if they're living to be 100. How are the last 20 years of that, you know, from 80 to yeah. 100, are you in a nursing home with Alzheimer's or are you thriving and dying naturally? Uh, which right. is something that is really interesting to me, especially with how we view death in our culture. We view it from a place of fear and the unknown. And it puts a lot and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to avoid death at all costs and not honor it as this thing that is unavoidable and connects us all. Like there's one thing that really connects us all, we all fucking die. It's true, right? 100% chance. 100% chance of death. Um, how and when, uh, we don't know that. Um, one thing that the, the shaman Rahelio said to us, which really stuck with me is, I just don't want to die in a stupid way. He said that. And I was like, right. yeah, I, me neither. Like, you want to die with more integrity. Like, and, uh, you know, what, you know, in a stupid way, I think he meant, like, from disease, you know? But, well, I think he also meant, like, taking unnecessary risks, driving 100 miles an hour sure, in the wrong sure. direction on the road. But I think that if he, do you think that he meant that if he jumped off a beautiful cliff in Hawaii, you know, and then, you know, 
something happened? Maybe. I don't think so, because I think that that's more part of the human experience, and that that's not like if that was the way that he's supposed to pass, then that was the way he's sure. supposed to pass. But I don't. If think he was any, called to it, I'm not jumping off a cliff. I don't really think that anybody is supposed to pass being tortured by disease, though. Yes. And I think there are ways that we can really prevent that. I know we're going in a totally different direction in this show, but it's just something that was on my mind from earlier because I was reading about death and honoring death and there are death doulas out there that actually help people to pass in a way that is more sacred, ritualistic, and not scary. Mm -hmm. And I have always been afraid of death like a gripping fear of death most of my life, which is where so much of my anxiety has like come from. Even from the time I was very little, I remember lying in my bed, maybe three, four years old, and thinking about why we're here and, and thinking to myself, okay, so before me there was, you know, for example, like dinosaurs, but how did the dinosaurs get there? And then how did how did a blade of grass get there? And then how did, you know, and it was just like you, the answers to that, even if you go back to as, you know, as far back as you can to the Big Bang Theory, how did the Big Bang Theory even happen? Like, (laughs) and then I would remember just lying in my bed and just feeling like my brain was going to explode. Like I couldn't grasp. These are the, the these are the big questions. I couldn't grasp the big questions at three. Yeah, of course. And I still, at almost like 33, um, don't know those answers and can't ask those questions, but I'm... That's the eternal quest. It is the eternal quest. And the the big question of what happens after you die, right? And being a ghost doesn't sound fucking fun. That doesn't sound like what I would want after I die, just to like be spooking around someone's house and, you know, knock something off their table and, like, be an apparition on their bed. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, what's that, you know? Yeah, that, that almost seems like you're, you're trapped there. Yeah. And so I am really interested in this concept of what happens after we die, which I think most of us are, and that's the big, big life question of the why are we here and what happens when we die. And um, a lot of a lot of what we talk about on this podcast when we have guests is is going to help us, I think, to not necessarily answer that, concre- like a concrete answer to that, because there isn't one. If there was one, then life would, be, life would be very different. But I think we'll help our path and navigating the path in a way that feels more meaningful and more supportive to our psyche and will help us. Yeah, I think you're, I think it's sort of, in my mind, I sort of see it as kind of filling in the holes. Like, what we're going to get into are these different tools, techniques, and ideas that are, you know, that kind of fill in the gaps of our understanding, uh, you know, and help us get a little bit closer to being able to at least comprehend these eternal questions yeah comprehend the uncertainty and dance with the uncertainty in a way that feels not so anxiety provoking and 
there, so many people carry around this level of stress and anxiety um, that is, it's, you know, unnecessary. And I don't think it all just comes from those big questions. I think there's like so many little things in between, but. Well, we get caught up in the day to day, the, the, how are we going to pay the rent? The, what are we going to eat for dinner? How's the, uh, you know, what are the COVID cases at today? Yeah. All of that stuff. It just like takes up mind space, takes up that, uh, random access memory and just, you know, keep running in the background, just draining us of power at all times. Exactly. Draining you of power. When the power lies outside of the small stuff and it really has to do with the bigger picture. And if you can distill like uh, down to that and you can get rid of all of that other crap, then what's left is it's simple. It's big. It's ethereal. It's light. It's power. And we will leave you with that on this episode of the podcast. I <laughs> love it. I can't wait. More to come. I hope I don't get abducted by an alien tonight <laughs> because I talked about you it. You opened the door. No, I didn't. I'm going to close the door. I put, the door is closed. I put my wall of protection around me and the aliens cannot penetrate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think they could get into the city of Philadelphia anyway. Yeah. There's not enough runway. Well, if you're interested in what I was talking about, the story, you can read the book Communion by Whitley Strieber. You can watch the the VHS. I'm sure it's on DVD or on... You can probably find it on, on Netflix or something. Also, called, the documentary we watched last night, uh, Phenomenon. Yeah, Phenomenon, but Communion is the book and the documentary that was well, the took, movie, or I mean the movie that took place on the private road that I grew up on. So check it out. Let us know what you think. If there are any other resources for aliens, or you know, I'm sure we'll have many more episodes on the paranormal and ghosts and even abductions. I want to hear from other people yeah. who have an abduction story. Um, I might even reach out to one of my dad's friends who. He claims he's been abducted since he was a little kid, and he lives up there in, in the woods in the boonies. Nice. Um, and his story is unique to mine, and but there are also similarities too. So hit us up, let yeah, us that know. Yeah, that brings up a really good point. I'm gonna put a link in my Instagram bio, also in the show notes on this uh, on this podcast, and that will allow you to record a voice message uh, if you want to leave us a story that you have, or maybe an experience that you have, or maybe you have some ideas on what I've experienced, whether it's the, uh, the alien drone that I saw on the beach in Turks and Caicos, or the uh, apparition of my mom who was also in the next room. If you have any theories, I'd love to hear them. Uh, so that link uh, to leave me a voice message will be in my Instagram link in my bio and on the show notes on this podcast. I hope people just fuck with you and leave you funny messages. <laughs> and hey, real I, ones too. I welcome them. All right. All so right, guys. At Mackie Root is my Instagram. At Juliet Root is my Instagram. Underscore Root. They'll find me at Juliet Root. <laughs> and uh, hit us up, let us know. And uh, next episode, we will have a guest on. And we will uh, talk to you guys soon. Super excited about this one. See ya.